Through the woodland, through the valley Comes a horseman wild and free Tilting at the windmills passing Who can the brave young horseman be? He is wild but he is mellow He is strong but he is weak He is cruel but he is gentle He is wise but he is meek Reaching for his saddlebag he Hey everybody, welcome to Jagged Little Mill. It's a podcast brought to you by Overdue. It's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. And this is our Don Quixote small batch uh, bespoke miniseries where we read a few chapters at a time of this Mm -hmm. classic Spanish tale. Mm Mm-hmm. And we talked to you about it. Miguel de Cervantes, as yep. translated into English by Edith Grossman. Correct. And occasionally footnoted by her, though not super often. No, 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 no. Um, a few this... Footnotes are usually pretty good, though. Like, it's good. It's interesting stuff. There was one this read that was like, oh, yeah, this is the first time Don Quixote's ever mentioned having a sword. And it's and he doesn't have one. And he's mad about it. <laughs> I always like the ones like there. there is a point in this that we'll definitely talk about uh-huh. where the book becomes a story within a story briefly. Yeah. And the footnote does mention that in book two of Don Quixote, uh, Cervantes does say some things that suggest that reviewers were not kind to these <laughs> tangents. Yes, that's true. Um, this series would not be possible without our illustrious Patreon supporters. Thank you. To them, if you want to know how to get these episodes before they go on the main feed, go to patreon.com slash overdue pod for more information. Excuse me. Andrew, this is episode five, mm-hmm. um, covering chapters 28 through 34 mm-hmm. of the Grossman translation. I believe those are the first several chapters in part four. Yeah. Um, it says here in my text, part four of the ingenious gentleman Don Quixote of La Mancha at the top of and this section. What an ingenious gentleman he is. <laughs> um, what do you remember from last time? I have some bullet points, but I want to know what you remember from episode four or beforehand. So uh, I believe because we are kind of reinserted right into the action here. Yeah. Uh, the The main thing that happened in our last stretch of episodes was we hear about this guy. What's the guy's name who's like wandering? Cardinio. Cardinio. We hear about the the plight of Cardinio, who is a a man who was really in love with somebody. Lucinda. Lucinda, who really who married this scoundrel named Don Fernando. Yeah. Uh, and made uh, Cardinio really upset, and he ran off into the desert to be a hermit boy for the yes. rest of his life. Yes. And so in Cardinio, we have finally encountered somebody who is as cuckoo bananas as Don Quixote <laughs> himself. Yes. They do get into a basically a fandom fight about like how hot different fictional characters are. Something like that. Sure. <laughs> um, so uh, this this happens. We meet Cardinio. He beats Don Quixote up as people are wont to do and he runs off. And then we get a bit where Quixote and Sancho Panza split up for a bit and Panza goes back home. Yes. Um, Quixote has and, sent him back to deliver a letter to Dulcinea saying yes. how, you know, he's who is Don Quixote's girlfriend from Canada, who's his <laughs> girlfriend from another school. That that Panza has recognized as someone in their village who clearly does not care about Don Quixote that way at all. 
Yeah, and also does not uh, match Don Quixote's description of yeah. her much at all. Yeah. Um, so uh, through Sancho going back home, we are reintroduced to a couple of Don Quixote's like neighbors slash peers from his previous life. There's yep. a the priest is the main one, and I think there's another. There's one. There's a barber. There. It's the, a barber. Yes, the, priest the priest and the, and the barber. barber walk into a bar, no, and they don't walk into a bar. They walk out into the desert. Yeah. With Sancho Panza. And they see this dude with the best feet. Wait, wait, wait. This is wait. getting into the stuff that, this is getting into the stuff. There's, okay, there's two things before we get to the first feet. They, first they meet Cardinho again, yes. and they all get acquainted with Cardinho, and he joins the party. So yep. now they're at four. And if they do add more people to the party, they can still level up, but they have to be in the wagon. They can't all participate in, in battles, battles at the, at same, the same time. time. Yes. Yeah. Um, two things. We uh, At the very beginning of last episode, uh, Don Quixote freed some prisoners. That's going to get referenced at some point in this section. Um, yeah, and they did, for what it's worth, at the time, the prisoners did seem to be uh, being punished pretty proportionately based on what they did. And they also, like most of the people in this book, do beat Don Quixote up also on their true. way out the door. Um, and the priest and the barber have returned with Sancho Panza because they want to bring Don Quixote in. They feel he is dangerous to himself and others, and they've concocted a scheme where one of them is going to pose as a princess and the other as like the princess's squire, and they're going to ask him for his help, mm-hmm. and that's going to get him home. Yes. That's, and so that's when they encounter Cardinho. They hear another voice, and in our last episode, I thought this was going to be Don Quixote's voice, but no, Andrew, tell us whose voice it is they find this poor this badly dressed boy with the best feet anybody's ever seen they're just these perfect feet that they talk about for several several paragraphs and references to the feet he finished watching his beautiful feet um just unbelievable comments on these awesome feet yeah i can't believe I guess, I don't know if this is the first documented foot fetish. I've got to believe that there's some other stuff. Stunned by the whiteness and beauty of those feet, which it seemed to them were not made to walk on clods or follow after a plow and oxen as suggested by their owner's clothing. Yeah. So they're hiding in a bush watching this. Watching this pretty boy with his pretty feet. But then, and then the person undresses more and it turns out it's a beautiful lady of course takes no off. man could have feet that looks like that no she, she the, she's all that in herself and <laughs> takes off her ugly hat and she's beautiful her hair is almost as beautiful as her feet yeah and the nothing pr- i mean nothing could be as good as them as in feet now of course uh, several men uh, uh sancho is not with them at this point sancho has gone off to find don quixote a critical yes. fact that will be important later yeah so we are without our two Main, main characters. characters at this point and which honestly i was happy for the break I it, think... it, you could read don quixote get the crap beat out of him a bunch of times in a row but after a while it starts to get a little samey that's gonna be a theme for this whole episode here of jagged little mill is like this is a don quixote light episode it is driven by the other characters almost exclusively i i would say yeah um because I was, sometime in the recording of our last episode, I was getting to the point where I was like, is this 
all it is. Is this the book? Like, yeah. is there just going to be a bunch more of this, or is are we in for some other stuff here? And yes, we are in for some other stuff. Correct. And so these three guys emerge from a bush, and they're like, "Hi, lady, who's clearly perturbed by us watching you bathe. Tell um, us your troubles. <laughs> your troubles." She immediately, like, she thinks about running away, uh, but doesn't, and decides to unload her life story. Um, she was the daughter of a wealthy farmer. She fell in love with a guy. Uh, or no, a guy fell in love with her, excuse me, a guy above her station fell in love with her, and he really kind of pushed his luck and really didn't... What At one point, she says something to the effect of, like, she really didn't want to marry him and, like, almost asked her parents to, like, support her choice not to marry him, and they would marry her to anyone else that to they chose yeah. mm-hmm. just to get her out of this because she didn't want to be wronged or you know have him perhaps spoiler alert like spurn her and like you know besmirch her family or something she knows there's something not quite a hundred percent on the level about this guy yes and as our listeners the characters and both us the readers hear her tale unfurl um cardinio kind of starts like literally sweating because he He starts kind of looking around a little bit (laughs) he is recognizing details that sort of sound like the part in his story where he was party to don fernando becoming infatuated with and sleeping with a woman below his station Uh uh-huh and of course that's what it that's what's happening. That's what it is, because she finally names the names the guy who she's talking about. And it turns out to be Don Fernando. At that point, Cardinho sort of gets like an double, anime does, nosebleed. He does like, yeah, he's like anime nosebleed or maybe like a Looney Tunes sort of eyes bugging out of his head. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. very surprised by this whole situation and trying yes. to keep keep cool about it. <laughs> um, Fernando paid off her housekeeper to get access to her. And there's some interesting language that she is like, she's very aware of the fact that if he sleeps with her, which he ends up doing, she doesn't really have any recourse. Like she recognizes that like, if she, tr- it's, it's his word against hers. She is kind of powerless in this whole situation. And she's not sure that she dislikes him entirely at first no and and so it turns out that he as we as we already know he goes off and he uh marries cardinho's lady love yes lucinda Mm -hmm. lucinda and uh and what she really what uh and her her name ends up being dorotea or dorotea i mean they're Dorothea there would be an H in a different like a you know the other version of this name would probably be like Dorothy or something Dorothy yes we'll just call her Dorothy let's call her Dottie yeah Dottie Dottie's good Dottie's good (laughs) uh so what Dottie wants from him is just to like come back and do right by her yeah because he like he claimed to marry her he like swore in front of you know like images of saints in her house that they would be married if not they if that they weren't already and so the like the we don't get to the end of of the saga in this uh in this block of of chapters because we we run into another story again that we're going to talk about a lot (laughs) yeah yeah but uh, my i mean where i figure it's going is some kind of 
everyone except maybe Don Fernando lives happily ever after because the marriage to Lucinda isn't valid. And so Cardinho and Lucinda are allowed to marry. And then Dottie and Don Fernando, like she's happy because he's back. And then he's just got to sleep in the bed that he slept with somebody in. Yeah, a little bit, right? <laughs> um, it does. So I mentioned in the last episode, uh, there's rumors that there were Shakespeare, that there was a Shakespeare play based on this story, not necessarily Don Quixote's version of it, but of these characters. Yeah, it sure. feels very, it reminds me of some of the dynamics in, uh, in measure for measure. There's a couple like guys slept with someone, but then moved on to some other relationships in the end of the play, he ends up married to that first person that he slept with. And like, are they happy? No, maybe. Who knows? But it does have a dramatic a, arc. To and, there, it. and there's yeah. like a yeah, there's like a harmony that is created there. Even if you're supposed to, as the audience know, it's it's a, not necessarily a happy thing. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a total side note. And I think this book has gone in unexpected directions on us before. Yes. But that is that is. I'm calling that. The, that's the, that's where I think this is going. The key eventually. thing here is that she reveals things that we didn't know about the Lucinda Don Fernando story. So like uh, Cardinio left after like witnessing the marriage and didn't get the rest of the story. So Lucinda right. passed out. She had both a knife and a like suicide note on her that if this marriage actually happened, she was going to kill herself because she didn't want to be with Don Fernando. And Don Fernando apparently just bounced in disgrace. Like, he's just gone. Um, yeah, and then Card... But, and Cardinho, who is He known, doesn't know that. Yeah, he, he doesn't know that. He was also known throughout the town, though. And the other thing that is known that everybody is talking about that Cardinho won't have been party to is that everybody in town knows what happened to him, too. Yes. Like, everybody knows that he ran away to live this life of hermitage yep mm-hmm. and i don't know that he's disgraced everybody just knows that uh that some bad stuff happened to him and he's gone yes and so now cardinho is like okay dotty i'm gonna i'm gonna make sure he marries you like we're gonna get my lucinda back and i'm gonna make this man keep his word that's how i'm yeah. gonna help you yeah and so he you know he does the makeover montage thing yes. where he like shaves off his sad guy beard and well they, they finds do better clothes and, they yeah. do that so she okay she is like thank you priest and barber thank you cardinho for offering to help me um why are you here and they're like hey so there's this guy Don Quixote. there's this guy and he's yeah and she offers to help um they tell her their plan and she's like well i could be a princess better I'll than be you princess idiot. look at my feet I got nice feet. Beautiful. Got nice princess feet. The princess of the beautiful feet, she's called. Mm. And uh, they do, they cut Cardinho's beard, I think, in the hopes that Don Quixote won't recognize him and try to fight him again or something. Yeah. And they've also given the, yeah, like the barber and the priest are still in disguise. At least the the barber's in disguise. The barber is still in disguise. The priest is not for some reason. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. I guess the priest just didn't want to dress up like a. He didn't woman like, before yeah. he had to, and yeah. then they hate. Lo and behold, they found an actual woman, and so he's off the. Hook. Before they encounter Don Quixote, they do. Sancho wanders up, and this part threw me for a loop. I did have to read it like once or twice. I think I thought that Sancho was privy to the princess squire plan. Yeah, Sancho's kind of an idiot, and he does have <laughs> moments of self awareness, but he's kind of a doofus. He is because he does 
there's a bit later where some character is speaking disparagingly of uh, chivalric books and yes. talking about how they didn't actually happen and they're not real. And Sancho's like, uh oh, if that's <laughs> true, that's that's trouble for old Sancho Panza. <laughs> Because he's still angling for the the like the peninsula or whatever yes. he was promised in the first place. Uh-huh. So to the point where he's a couple times like, if I'm not gonna get like stuff or land out of this, then why am I even out here? Correct. <laughs> um so he shows up and the priest is immediately like, Hey Sancho, meet the princess of of Macomacone. And he's like, Cool, that sounds great. And the priest is like, she needs someone to fight a giant. And he's like, that sounds great. My my dude will I know do that. Ju- I know just the guy. He is in bad shape. We do have to go get him and kind of wake him up and pour the spinach in him so that he can pop by again. Like, we got to mm-hmm. get him ready. And Popeye. they do that. Like, what if Popeye ate a bunch of spinach and then he lifted up his arm to make a big muscle with like a picture of a jackhammer in it <laughs> and it just made a big fart noise instead? <laughs> I, okay, so I think it was um, one of our listeners and, and good friends, Natasha, mentioned on Twitter that Don Quixote gives off some big Inspector Gadget vibes, which is kind of true. I also made notes in this one. So later on, we're skipping. I'm skipping ahead a little bit. They encounter that guy from early on, the the guy that um, Don Quixote had freed from a tree, and his master beat him up. And then beat him up worse because of the encounter with Don Quixote. Yes. Mm-hmm. I got just like big the tick vibes from that whole situation. Sure. Like parodies of superheroes where superheroes don't know the damage they're causing by interacting with normal people. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. Yeah, the uh the Inspector Gadget Donkey Don Quixote is what Inspector Gadget would be if he didn't have a niece and a very smart dog. Mm, mm-hmm. sort of yes helping maybe that's keep what these characters are in check yeah i don't know i think dotty might be a pretty good penny like she's quick-witted as we will mm-hmm. discover in just a second yeah um sancho okay so don quixote accepts her boon which she's like can you kill this giant for me and res- and you know protect my kingdom and she's very good at the kayfabe. Like she's oh made up God. a whole thing and she's covering for like inconsistencies and the priest is kind of hopping in and helping her. And yes, it's all very convincing to poor adulpated Don Quixote. He's asking some very basic questions. She's handling it very well. Um, Sancho's interested because if they get, you know, she's, she offers to marry Don Quixote and then Sancho's like, oh, dip. That means I could get some of that kingdom yeah because she's a princess and if she's a princess then he will be the the prince and he'll have land and then i can have some land did you catch so the, yeah sancho thoroughly not clued into what did, is going on did here you catch the part where sancho was bummed that she was a princess from africa though yeah and so was that sancho or was that donkey that was I forget, sancho i forget which one of them is like man i don't want to have all these i don't want a bunch of like, black vassals he says yeah but then he said well it'll be fine i'll just go sell them yes sancho and my he dude says, it doesn't matter if they're black i will turn them to white and, and white. yellow which is like a, which like silver which is, and gold which is according to a footnote not additional racism but <laughs> Silver and gold, which fine. <laughs> Not, I guess. Maybe it's both. 
Maybe it I mean, is it can be two things. It yeah, two it wasn't things. intentional additional racism on Sancho. Sancho part. looks pretty bad in all of these chapters. In particular, this I mean, is some he bad, looks bad Sancho. He's like uh, trying to poop in the, <laughs> just like stand there and poop. Yes, yes. So that's nobody true. can hear him. So I don't think I expected. I was expecting <laughs> Sancho to be more of a character who would look at us, who would look at you and me, and be like, "Whoa, can you believe this?" A little more Deadpool. Yeah, and he doesn't he doesn't never do that, but he definitely that's not his main function. I just made myself laugh at the idea of Sancho Panza's Deadpool. I don't know why that's so funny to me. Um Yeah, he doesn't come out looking good here. Um so they they we have been alluding to this kind of longer section where she's like, Yo, let me tell you about the evil giant James Gandolfini. Um his name is Pandolfino. <laughs> Um, Rip in peace. She she has a true she, legend. She has this really good detail that she comes up with, where she's like, "Oh my my wizard dad, who's dead, uh, told me once that when I needed help, I should seek out like John Don Gigote or something." Yeah, she kind of makes fun of him a little bit. And Sancho's like, "Oh, do you mean this guy?" And she's like, "Probably. I don't know. My dad's dead. It's fine." Don Quixote is that that is smart on her part because Don Quixote is only too ready to ascribe unexplainable things to wizards yeah. like oh he, he loves wizards talk when he is talking to sancho there's a they, they have another fight yes they have another little lover's quarrel where uh don quixote beats the crap out of sancho panza because he talking says smack something on dulcinea. bad about yeah. dulcinea yes um but while they are while they are chatting oh shoot i lost my train of they thought. do like a walk and talk where where don quixote is like hey can you like pull ahead of all the horses and just like talk yes. to me about mm-hmm. when you delivered the letter to dulcinea for me yes right 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 and you're talking about sancho uh oh yeah because he yeah because he said he's gone all the way to toboso and back yes and don quixote is like that's 30 leagues <laughs> and it's only been three days so instead of assuming that you're lying to me, I'm going to assume that a wizard did it because wizards do that kind of thing. Yes. For knights errant. He, I think he their, says something like, loyal like, a, squires. like a kindly necromancer is looking out for me or something. <laughs> and this is so this is the kindly necromancer who's looking out for him is not to be confused with the evil wizard evil necromancer yes. who walled up his library or turned all the giants into windmills to confound yes. him mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. A lot of wizards, a lot yes. of invisible fake wizards um, in this one. The two things coming out of the of Dottie playing the princess of Macaroni is she is like, hey, you can't take any side quests while you're on my quest. You're not allowed. <laughs> this isn't Skyrim. You have to do the main quest. Mm-hmm. And she's like, and hey. she says that specifically because, as we alluded to before, Don Quixote runs into somebody who he quote unquote helps before. Yes. And they said, you made this so much worse by trying to help. I hope I never see you again. And if you pass by me on the road, I don't care how much trouble I appear to be in. Do not help me because yes. you will only make it worse. And of course, she is just trying to help the priest and the barber save this guy. She is not even trying to involve Don Quixote in the Cardinio plot line, as I understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also, uh, and then she's like, I'm going to marry you. Don Quixote tells Sancho, he's like, listen, I'm not going to marry her, uh, duh, Dulcinea. Right. But because I'm going to kill this giant for her, she's going to give me part of her kingdom and I'll just give it to you. It's fine. And Sancho 
kind of thinks that Don Quixote is being an idiot about this one. He's yeah. Like, you could just, the, marrying her and getting the land would be the easy way to do this. Yes. Could you just do that? I did love the section when they were fighting when Don Quixote was like, you don't think all the cool stuff I do is because of Dulcinea? It's like, I am able to punch people with the power of Dulcinea. Like, <laughs> shut up, Sancho. <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, and I, I did also like the section where Sancho was kind of the back and forth of like, tell me what it was like to give her the letter and all the stuff she was doing. Oh, yeah. And he's just lying a lot. He's, he's both lying and telling like, yeah, she was like harvesting grass, dude. She's not. Yeah, like, she smelled bad. And like he's lying and insulting her. And Don Quixote's like, yeah. huh, she's probably like getting ahead of the harvest or, you know, maybe and you, probably you just, smelled. You probably just smelled yourself. It's really good. Um, they you do smelt it, dealt it, Sancho. Hey, they do Have get on the road. That? That's a joke as old as time. Um, they do get on the road, and of course, they wind up at the only inn in all of Spain, the one where Sancho was wrapped up in a Blanket. quilt and thrown around, and yes. everybody fought in the attic, and then nobody paid for anything. That whole thing. Um, again, Cervantes is like, we don't need Don Quixote here. Immediately, Don Quixote goes to sleep. He just walks in, goes right to sleep. That's fine. And we get this. I liked the little interlude where the priest is talking to everyone about everyone who works at the inn loves chivalric romance stories. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which are definitely true records of things that actually happen. Correct. And everyone's got their different reasons. Like everyone likes different parts. Like the innkeeper's daughter likes the parts where they miss the ladies and the... The wife, you know, likes the romances and the innkeeper likes the fights and everybody's kind of got their parts that they like. It's a family affair here. And they like to sit around the fire in the inn and read the stories to each other and everyone digs it. And it's this fun little moment where I think like Cervantes is showing us some characters who like these stories who aren't Looney Tunes. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it doesn't lead to people fighting instantly. But as you said, as you're alluding to, Andrew, there is some discrepancy about whether or not these stories happened, which the priest seems mad about. Well, because the priest was the one who spearheaded the effort to throw all of Don Quixote's books out in the yard because they were stupid garbage. Yes, that's true. And he briefly became an author surrogate when he did have <laughs> nice things to say about a couple of people's books a couple of times. Correct. And he is arguing with the innkeeper about like, which of the couple of books on your shelf am I allowed to burn so that Don Quixote doesn't see them? Mm -hmm. And the innkeeper's like, well, don't burn that one. That one's real. And he's like, no, that one's a made up you're asking me to burn this other one which is definitely real mm -hmm. and then they find this other book which i don't think has been published it's just a bunch of like loose leaf paper that someone left behind in the inn one day mm -hmm. called the, the man who was recklessly curious in our good translation title. good title the novel of the man who was recklessly curious and this is going to be the rest of our episode today because as andrew mentioned earlier this takes over the book like we are not we are just inside of this story for the yeah. next two chapters completely we will not reach the full conclusion of this tale today 
but I think we will in the next episode. Yeah. So the next, uh, the chapter heading on the on the third chapter of the man who is recklessly curious or whatever it's called was uh, was listed as the uh, the conclusion. Conclusion. Okay. So yes. So it's three long, totally unrelated chapters in the middle of Don Quixote about two friends who were such good friends that they were known by everyone as the two friends as the two and i honestly i just underlined that and said i love this this speaks to me as someone with a podcast with my good friends i underlined it and i just wrote me and craig in the notes because we're because even though we we are not going to do the part with all the cuckolding no <laughs> andrew andrew before we even start recording andrew said the phrase cuck book to me like 10 times i was trying to think of a good i think we could call it the joy of cucking maybe i think there's a lot of good wordplay with cookbook and and yeah i think that uh cuckled cuckled soup for the soul Mm, that's okay Hmm. that's okay you didn't have a lot of time to think about it cuck everlasting (laughs) (laughs) the adventures of cuckleberry finn oh dang 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 so the two friends are these guys, Anselmo and Lotario. And is this where Lotario comes from? I, uh, it's probably an overlap of the name. I don't know if this in other... I was reading some other notes on these chapters, and I, other translations you definitely use Lotario with an H, I think similar to how we encountered Dottie's name, Dorotea. So mm-hmm. I don't know if this is the canonical Lotario, or if it's deliberately like where the word comes from, or if the word already existed and so he named him this, but yeah, I don't know. I didn't know. I did no research on this. Maybe yeah. next time we'll, we'll bring it up for next time. I did. I did yeah. a little bit of just like trying to grok these stories, but I did not like dig into the history here. Yeah. So uh, they and hang Selmo out and all the time. These two guys. They're, they hang they're out all Chandler the time. and they're, Joey. To they're be. such good friends that they were known by everyone as the two friends. And they're Italians and they live in Florence. Hey. Tuscany specifically, I guess. Yep. So make of that what you will. Uh, And they're just, they're these great inseparable buddies. And then uh, Anselmo goes and gets uh, married to uh, Camilla. Yep. Who is a very good and virtuous woman. She is. But they then they stop hanging out so much because, quote, although good and true friendship cannot and should not be suspect for any reason, the honor of the married man is so delicate that it apparently can be offended even by his own brothers, let alone his friends. Now, and it, it must be said that in this story, it is not Lothario comes over and he and Anselmo go down to the basement and play Smash Brothers while, like, Camilla does whatever. They are, like, all three of them are always hanging out. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. it does seem clear that Lothario's like, listen, I should probably pull back a little bit. Like... Yeah, I don't want to be a third wheel. I don't want to be a third wheel. I don't want to create some like rumors, as we've heard in other stories in this book. There's lots of rumors. You know, it's Fleetwood Mac up in here. Then Anselmo's like, man, if I knew that he does, and I don't know also if this is the origin point of Bros Before Hoes, but (laughs) Anselmo's like, if I knew that my good buddy Latario is not going to come around anymore. I don't know if I would have gotten me. He says that. Yeah. He's like, what? You got to. And he's like, he strikes a deal. He's like, you have to come over for lunch like every few days or like multiple times a week. You're coming over and we're going to have lunch. After this, he starts hatching schemes. Well, he hmm, they have a conversation which he delivers a big preamble of just like, you know, we're friends. 
you know that like I'm gonna say something real right now, and that's it's gonna be real. Like, let me get real. I just feel like there's no there's no preamble this long that doesn't end in like a request to swing or something. Like it's, it's definitely well, the kind of preamble that that a married person would make to another person about like let me tell you about my open relationship. And Latario <laughs> says like what is the this it's a really good sentence. Latario said that it was manifestly insulting to their great friendship for Anselmo to go through as many preliminaries before telling him his most secret thoughts. Cuz like they're good friends, he should open up. And Anselmo says, "What you say is true." And with that confidence, I will tell you, friend Latario, that the desire that plagues me is wa- is my wondering if Camilla, my wife, is as good and perfect as I think she is. He goes on to say, why be grateful when a woman is good if no one urges her to be bad? <sighs> sure. This is Fine. okay. I looked up on TV Tropes Fidelity Test. And it is got some entries. We can go all the way back to Ovid's Metamorphosis. We can go to the Dick Van Dyke show. We can go. <laughs> I like how you go to Ovid and then you go to the Dick Van Dyke show. There's and a, in the intervening like <laughs> 3,000 years, there was nobody who tried there's, it. There's, you know, there's some Shakespeare about it. There's an episode of Veronica Mars where she gets contracted to like do one for somebody. Sure, um, sure. So it, it is, he is setting up this scenario where he wants someone to test how virtuous his wife is because he's getting a little nervous. He has nothing to go on here. He's just an idiot. He's just an idiot. And Lothario, to his to his credit. credit, goes on for just as long about what a stupid, dumb idea this is. I would is. say longer. He has like five different and another he things. Has a lot of different little anecdotes, like just to just breaking down how stupid this Multiple is. Multiple this, this one was my yeah. This one was my uh, favorite and the one I thought was most illustrative is uh, tell me Anselmo if heaven or good luck had made you the possessor and legitimate owner of a fine diamond whose worth and value satisfied every jeweler who saw it and all of them were of one opinion and said in one voice that in value size and purity it was all that such a stone could be and you believe this as well having no knowledge to the contrary would it be reasonable for you to take that diamond and place it between an anvil and a hammer and by dint of powerful blows test if it was as hard and fine as they said moreover in the event you did this and the stone withstood so foolish a test it would not for that reason gain in value or fame but if it shattered which is possible wouldn't everything be lost yes certainly and its owner would be thought a fool by everyone yep so everyone thinks camilla is virtuous and pure and great including you yes everybody agrees but you want to test her anyway and if she is pure and great and everyone agrees, then, then you are where you are right now. No, I, and if she's not, I argue you... he's worse because he's tested her. Yeah. Like that's gross. <laughs> yeah, that is. I mean, yes, that's gross. Yes, it should be said how gross and bad and, and stupid. And 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 if he and if she is not virtuous, then she's not virtuous. <laughs> like, why would you do this? Why would you engineer this? <sighs> and Anselmo, his he's like good points, good points all around. I anyway, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. And his his trump card is that he says to Lotario, he's like, listen, I've been thinking about this so long that I can't not do it. Would you rather me do it with a stranger? 
He's well, like, I'll go tell someone else to do this, or this you is, could I be mean, the one. From these two gentlemen who are known far as and wide the as best the two fr- friends. The two friends. <laughs> this is uh, this is uh, Rubicon. So this is a, a thing that can't be unsaid. Lotario decides to go along with it, and at first, I liked this part. He doesn't really do it. <laughs> at first, he's trying to fake it, and so he can tell Anselmo that he tested Camilla but not actually do it. Like he couldn't Anselmo like has him over for dinner and he's like, I gotta go down the office. Sorry. Can you just talk to my wife for like an Uh hour? And he just goes to sleep instead. Mm -hmm. And then then the second time, and the second time they do this Anselmo is hiding in a closet, looking through the keyhole, (laughs) which again, very strong cuckolding vibes. (laughs) And he sees them. He sees, Lotario not try to do anything and then report back that he did and he's like you idiot I caught you I caught you you liar I can't believe you we're the two friends and yep. this is how you do me yep and so he's like he escalates he's like I'm gonna leave town for a week I don't know what he says he's gonna do in my mind he's like going on a fishing trip he's it's like I'm, he's, I'm gonna go visit somebody reminds me of that it was like that in um 1001 nights where the guy went on a hunting trip and his wife cheated on him. Yes. On it was trip. sort of like that. That yes. was like the, incent- the this, inciting incident. This whole like let's zero in on a different story that has its own plot and message feels very 1001 Nights to me um, in structure. So he's like, I'm going to go away for a week. You spend time with my wife. And at this point, Lothario is so twisted by the exercise that he sort of he's lost respect for Anselmo, mm-hmm. gained admiration for Camilla, and is like, I think I kind of do like her now. <laughs> so I guess I am gonna start talking her up and flirting. I guess, mm-hmm. and maybe I'll save her from her stupid husband who's making me do this. Which this all feels like a Paul Rudd movie that I wouldn't normally watch, but. Yeah, kind of Judd Apatow, one it, of his like, yes. filler movies. It feels like a lesser Apatow. You're exactly right. Um, I don't know why the film You, Me, and Dupree keeps coming up, even though that's not what You, Me, and Dupree is about, but it's just <laughs> <laughs> something about... You, Me, and Camilla. Yeah. Um, and Camilla immediately writes a letter to Anselmo that's like, hey, this situation is being a creep. Could you come home? Stinks. Could you come home or I'm going to go to my parents' house? And he forbids her to go to her parents' house and is like, I'll come home soon enough. You got, you're my wife. And he play, Ooh. and she doesn't leave. And I, it just, I don't, this one, I kind of lost like how we just got into it where like, I guess it worked. The book just says that she surrenders. Yeah, he says a lot of cool stuff to her, and that makes her. He's like very crying horny. and pleading. Yeah, everybody knows that a woman loves it when a man just like really pleads and begs yep. for. <laughs> for <laughs> Everyone very, loves because it's very dignified and, and like masculine and and attractive. Yeah, a lot of machismo there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so she's kind of like, well, I guess I'm in it now. She talks to her servant about it, Andrew. This is where we learn about the four S's and the alphabet of good men. Yeah, I hope you have this pulled up because it is a lot of letters. So she is like... I haven't read about these in any of Henry's ABC books, (laughs) I'll tell you that. So Camilla is talking to her, uh, her 
servant, uh, Leonella, about the situation. She's feeling kind of bad because now she's like, she she doesn't want, now that she's sort of committed herself to Lothario or Lothario, um, she's worried that he will actually spurn her for how quickly she acquiesced. And uh, Leonella's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. And also, like, he's great. He clearly is into you. And he's got the four S's. Um, the four S's in this from a footnote. Uh, Sabio, which is wise. Solo, which is alone. Solicito, which is solicitous. And secreto, or secretive. So being wise, alone, solicitous, and secretive is important. Same, I guess. <laughs> And then she says, uh, you know, that also he's the rest, like he is the rest of the alphabet, in my opinion. Amiable, Mm -hmm. benevolent, courteous, dignified, enamored, firm, gallant, honorable, illustrious, loyal, manly, noble, (laughs) open hearted, (laughs) pleasing, quick witted, rich, the S's that everybody knows, and then truthful, valiant, X isn't included because it's a harsh letter. Y is the same as I, and Z is zealous in protecting your honor. And according to the footnote, W isn't in there because it wasn't in the Spanish alphabet at the time. Wow. Okay. So that's a lot of things. Inclu- I'm I'm glad that Miguel de Cervantes and um, is it Sue Grafton who did all the letter <laughs> murder books? They both whiffed on X because X is too hard. <laughs> <laughs> And what's funny, I like this from Leonella because she's like, yeah, you should totally do this because she complicates the situation where she's like, well, listen, Camilla, I'm not going to tell anyone about what you're doing because I got my own lover who's going to mm-hmm. sneak into the house and we're going to bone down all the time and you can't yeah. say anything. So this, yeah, this becomes a whole thing. And this also feels like a sitcom trope where yes. one character has a terrible secret and another character finds out about it and then they use the terrible secret as leverage to do their own terrible secret. Can you can you get us through the the back part of this story Andrew so Lothario sees uh, it's this whole, it's like this quadruple cross where yeah. everybody's trying to like fake everybody else out. Yes. And I don't even know if I can accurately describe who is supposed to believe <laughs> what. But we do get to this point where Camilla it like has a knife. Yeah. And so, so what they're trying to do is to make it so that the maid stops bringing her lover into the house because what's going to happen is if if somebody sees the maid's lover coming out of the house at an early hour in the morning, everybody's going to s- assume that that guy is sleeping with Camilla. And we can't have people thinking that, even though that is basically what's happening (laughs) with her and Lothario. Yeah. So that is one layer of it. I don't even know what Anselmo's game is. Like he's just kind of watching to like. He is. He's evidence that stuff is happening. Yeah. He's still waiting for the full like like reveal of how virtuous she is. And I think yeah, because yes, because she and she and Lotario have decided to keep even though they are even though they are banging to convince Anselmo that they aren't. Yes. And yes. And and Anselmo, because he has whatever brain rot that he has that has made him embark on this in the first place, (laughs) is still testing her. So he goes into the secret closet 
and uh, Camilla embarks on this like little play that she does that I don't think that Lothario knew the whole plan ahead of time, but he improvs well enough where she stabs herself in the armpit so that it looks like it might be fatal. He kind of she is, bleeds. She bleeds a lot, but she's not hurt too bad. Yeah, and it's clear that she does. She she rejects all of his advances. Tries to stab him, quote unquote. Doesn't succeed. Stabs herself instead. So Anselmo's like, oh, okay. Well, she's completely devoted to me. She's rejecting him so much. She'd do it with a knife. And then she's fine. And Lotario picks that up. And so it kind of just ends with her healing. Anselmo is encouraged. By everything he's seen. I'm not quite sure why. Is- I like, <laughs> I just, based on the title of the book, the title of the book within a book that we're reading, I think his curiosity is going to end up bad for him. Yes. And it could have ended up a lot worse than it has so has far as of this as of this chapter but yeah i think it's gonna be i think it's gonna be bad for everybody it ends on a cliffhanger that implies that his curiosity will cost him his life somehow yes mm-hmm. when now whether so not whether or not that yeah. means he's gonna die or it's gonna just gonna be his life as he knows it we shall see i think usually that means die when they say it's gonna cost you your life yeah i'm just i don't think when people say that they mean you're gonna you're gonna move to a new house <laughs> well, and it'll be too far from like the bus in, stop and it'll change your whole life isn't like death in tarot just mean change it doesn't mean that you're gonna die context is everything though in this section it probably just means that he's gonna die I'm just trying to keep an open this, mind this here fake this fake character within a fake book where the stakes couldn't possibly be lower yeah I think this guy's gonna eat it this but we'll see oh okay so just all told we'll find out what happens next in the next episode um where we discuss several more chapters of this book. I'm pulling up my list here. I'm vamping a the, little the bit. The footnote imply that we're in for a few more like novellas within Don Quixote. I don't yes. know. I don't know if we're going to get them all right in a row or if it's going to be like sprinkled throughout, but we are once again experiencing stories told within stories. We are past the halfway point of like Don Quixote 1 at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that is an interesting thing to keep in mind. So next episode we'll be talking about episodes, uh, chapters 35 through 42 of the Grossman translation. Andrew, I just kind of like, we talked about this top episode, I liked these chapters as a refreshment, as a, as a little change of pace from the Don Quixote comedy hour. Now there was... I did, I, so I liked that and I liked um, the little bits that we got where the stuff that's already happened is like starting to come back to bite Don Quixote. So it it is heavily implied that, this we didn't even talk about, it's it's implied that the, you know, the criminals who Don Quixote freed without thinking about it are out like marauding and doing bad stuff in the countryside. Yeah, the priest, the priest... I think is lying when he says that they beat him and the barber up, but they're using that as a way to like, they, they know that that happened. So they're using it as a way to convince Don Quixote that the world is the world that he knows. Yeah. And that, that's an interesting, like ongoing thread. Like I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see the priest return. I don't know that the book is going to end with Don Quixote, like coming to his senses. I, I'm not sure that that is what's in the cards, but yeah, I w- I was glad for a break in the, action where Don Quixote meets a stranger. Don Quixote experiences reality differently from that stranger. Like 80, 20, 
Don Quixote <laughs> gets beat up versus the other guy gets beat up. And then we move on to the next vignette. Yeah, yeah. It felt like halfway through a season of Saturday morning cartoons where they move from an episodic, like, enemy of the week structure to, like, hey, what if we, like, bring some characters back? It's kind of like, what if it's going from season one of Avatar to season two of Avatar? I, if you want. Sure. I gotta watch Season that one show. of Avatar is is much more a kids show. Yeah, sure. not really going. I I, you, I mean I know. Yeah, I I'm say. watching the Clone Wars right now, and I, it is starting to make a similar change. In a couple of years, when you're done with the Clone Wars, <laughs> maybe you could watch Avatar. <laughs> um, there was also a bit in this section where I think it's in the inn where the priest and maybe some of the folks who work at the inn are talking and they're like, what is it with Don Quixote where if you mention anything that might be in a chivalric romance, he moves to another plane of existence. But if you talk about like just stuff that's in front of him, he gets it. Yeah, just it. like what what countries are landlocked yes. versus what ones aren't. Like he's still pretty sharp. It's, it's a fact. I'm glad that that note happens because it does like... I don't know. It helps ground the story in a way that for the first few episodes here, I was like, where are we and what's going on? It's just, it is sweet in a way that Don Quixote has people who are worried about him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And they aren't, they aren't doing it to inflame his fantasies and they aren't doing it as Sancho is for some kind of personal gain. It's just like people Don Quixote knew in his old life who are like, this is, we should try and help our friends. Yes. And, I, you know, and the priest is interesting as a character construct because he's there to kind of, I think, lampoon the church a little bit, but also lampoon the stories that he hates as well. So it's, I think Cervantes is having it both ways a little yeah. bit. Um, mm-hmm. Well, this was fun. Uh, like we say on the end of every episode of Jagged Little Mill, Andrew, hit him. Uh, have sex with my wife. <laughs> See the man who tips the needle. See the man who buys and sells. See the man who puts the collar. Andrew, what chapters did we read today? We read chapters 30 to 42. <laughs> 35? <laughs> I knew I, I knew it might be a quiz for you, and I just figured I'd roll the dice. You know, I I did I have read the yeah. reading, but the yes. chapter names, yes, that or and by names I mean numbers. It's kind of like their names, except the names are numbers. Yes, we are. Anyway, it's hard for me to remember. We're still in the first part of Don Quixote. We've the first not moved. Of the- it's split into four parts across two books is that right something like that i think yeah. our edition might just have first part second part but other editions have four books i don't know sure. man this book's been around a long time yeah last time on cardinio joined the party dorotea joined the party mm-hmm. don quixote rejoined the party mm-hmm and they all went back to the only inn in all of Spain. <laughs> the only inn in, within a 600-mile radius, which I assume is the deal because people keep showing up to this inn throughout these <laughs> chapters. And it doesn't make any sense otherwise. If there's any other inn anywhere, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. Cardinio, Cardinio and Dorotea are part of another play that's happening in this book. Um, I'm sure we're going to find out more about their story this episode. 
and Don Quixote was being a sad, mad lad out in the wilderness, and his friends, the priest and the barber, have this cockamamie scheme to convince him to come back to their they're life. Really, they're, they seem like they're trying to do their best by him in, <laughs> in reeling him in, but yes. these stories continue to be relatively Quixote-like, and the, yeah, biggest, the biggest instance of Quixote we get is actually very out of character and thus sort of heightens the the comic tragedy of the character. That's a good point. Yeah, Let's, I'm interested um, to talk about that. The The thing we left off inside of uh-huh. last episode mm-hmm. um, was a novel about the two friends. Uh, the, the, in our edition, the title, the novel is called The Man Who Was Recklessly... The Novel of the Man Who Was Recklessly Curious. Mm-hmm. There are other titles depending on your translation, but about a dude named Anselmo who mm-hmm. infidelity tests his wife Camilla with his friend mm-hmm. Lothario. Mm-hmm. Of course, this backfires. Lothario falls in love with her. And she's cool with it also. She's cool with it. Also, the servant is having her own affair, and that's going to cause some problems. Um, I did look up, Andrew. Lothario, we got one or two tweets about it, and I did go and do the research myself. Um, this is the first like work of fiction that popularly uses the name Lothario. Okay. So I guess we assume this is where Lothario comes from. The, as a concept. The concept that we use it in the English-speaking world today comes from a play called The Fair Penitent from 1632, well, but then it that wasn't guy, performed. That person probably stole it from Don Quixote, though, yeah, right? He, well, yes, they stole the basic structure, but they made Lothario kind of a like a more of a libertine, like he's a less likable character, and his seducing is not as driven by a stupid let me test my wife nonsense he's more uh, of a seduce friend yeah yeah, okay. yeah yeah but that's where that's where it comes from so cool good to know good to know where do you want to start what starts us off here we don't get right into the story right away do we 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 don't get right into the story so we're we are really getting into this cuckolding story <laughs> everybody's into it everybody's reading it at the end except Kyoto who's asleep Who's asleep? And but we get interrupted with this little interlude where Don Quixote is like in his hotel, in this in his room, in this inn, in his hotel room, in his hotel room, fighting, fighting a giant. Sancho Panza runs in and is like, "Hey, cool story, but Don Quixote is fighting a giant, and he really is just sleep fighting." And when Sancho Panza says that he's cut off a giant's head and his blood is all over the floor, what he really means is that he's cut up all of the inn's nice wineskins and dumped all the wine all over the floor. Why were they in Don Quixote's room? I don't know. I think they had to be in there to make this bit work. <laughs> okay. And the giant is, of course, part of the fake story that Dorotea told him. Yes, because she is the princess of Comic-Con and... <laughs> And, and this is the cockamamie scheme she's invented to get Don Quixote to go along with what she's actually Yeah, doing. and he's he's not allowed to take any side quests until he kills her giant or whatever. So Yeah, so uh, so we do that. Everybody has a good laugh, and then we get back into the cuckolding it's just story. right into the cuckolding story. No one wants to stop. And so where where we are is, and someone's like, wow, everything's going great. My wife is great. My friend Lothario is great. Everything is going great for old Anselmo uh-huh. until it isn't because <laughs> he catches the 
the maid one yes. night with the guy who she's carrying on with and he is really upset and he but I think I assume because she's like a woman and she's not allowed to do anything that's that's yes and I don't it's think his, that's all of it but I think that's a lot of well, it well yes and it's his property and so he's mad that some other man is coming in out of his house without his knowledge because it's like sneaking in through the window or whatever. And yeah, he's going to, I don't know what he's going to do to what her name is, uh, Leonella. Yeah. Um, and she's like, I don't know what you're going to do to me, but don't do it. I'll tell you secrets. I'll tell you so many good secrets, but not right now. I'm kind of too, I'm too head up from when you got really mad at me to tell me any secrets. But give me a little time. Come back. I'll tell you all the secrets that I have. He locks her in her bedroom and he's like, I'm going to go to bed. I think he said he tells Camilla what happened, right? He, he's yeah. Like, and this this is what sets it off. He's like, man, I just I just caught Leonella doing all this stuff. And she says she's going to tell me all kinds of rad secrets. Isn't that cool? And Camilla's like, oh, no, there's one secret that Leonella <laughs> has that I would prefer that she not tell you. Uh, she doesn't say that to nope. uh, Anselmo, of course. She just takes all of her valuables and runs away to Lothario's house. And then they both <laughs> run away together. I and wrote then, in my... Wrote and then Leonella my, also runs away. That is, I wrote in my notes, just on the side... Not in my notes, on the side of the page of the book, I just wrote so fast. <laughs> like, this yeah, just everybody escalated. Just, everybody, and someone wakes up and everybody in his life is gone. Just out, gone. He tries to go visit on Lothario. Lothario, gone. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. And so... Uh, Do we know it, at this point about... Lothario and Camilla's plan. Yeah, I think it comes up at some point. Like she's gonna, gonna go hide in a it. she's gonna go hide in a convent. He's gonna go lay low for a while. They'll meet up later. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Um now we're cooking with gas. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what does Anselmo do, Andrew? Uh Anselmo goes into town and he's looking for information about any of the things that might have happened, and he does find out eventually that Camilla and Lothario were fooling around. Yeah. And he is like, oh no, this horrible, stupid thing that I did. I can't believe that it's come back to bite me, just like everybody warned me it would. Uh-huh. Um, and everybody in town is just really surprised to know. What happened between these two guys who were so close that everybody called them the two friends? A guy, Anselmo gets this info from someone on the street who does not recognize him as Anselmo. And he, and he closes his story with, all I know is, is that the whole city is astonished by what happened since it was not what anybody expected from their great friendship. For they were so close that people called them the two friends. <laughs> I, this is my, my favorite thing about this translation so far. I have is no idea. else in this town friends with anybody? Not this way. They were so close that everybody called them friends. He's so close with his dude that he thought that he could do an infidelity test and it wouldn't go bad. That's how good friends they were, Andrew. You think in Spain when they air the show Friends that they call it the Six Friends? They have so to. everybody's doesn't nobody confuses it with these guys the two friends. It's very important. They almost yeah. weren't sure if they were. They thought they were just going to go with like six pals, mm-hmm. but they figured they could get away with it and people would understand. Mm-hmm. But it was close. That they probably changed the title a few times before they settled on the one that they liked. Anyway, he dies. He's so sad. He dies. 
He's so sad about it. Well, he goes back to write a letter to Camilla. Just or I don't even know if it's to Camilla. It's just like, <laughs> to, the it's world. Just like to the world, just like telling everybody what happened. Just a live journal gets, post. He gets far enough in the letter where he's like, man, Camilla, this is all my fault for coming up with the fidelity test. I'm really sorry for inventing all this cuckolding. And he dies with a pin in his hand, just like just after he makes it clear that he's not mad and that he takes full responsibility for it. Yes. And then also Lothario gets killed in the war. Yep. And Camilla dies of like loneliness or a broken heart or something in the convent. She gets so everybody, everybody comes to an unpleasant end. The end. This was the end met by the three and born of such rash beginnings. Got Anselmo's rash beginning. It was only Anselmo's rash beginning. Rash beginning of Anselmo, the curious man. Yeah. It's not called the three people who made a bunch of stupid decisions. It's called the one guy who was too curious. It's so the whole story is so mortifying. I'm mortified on their behalf. And they are mm-hmm. dead, so they are also mm-hmm. mortified in a way. Anyway. That's the, end of the, that's the end of the cuck story. Yes. And the priest is like, hey, cool story actually thought it was pretty well told um not believable at all no one would behave oh, yeah, this that's way. My, that actually might be my favorite part of the entire <laughs> cuckolding story this whole, this, this whole at the setup, end where yeah. at the end where the priest who is previously served as a sort of uh, Cervantes stand-in when he's giving book reviews. He just decides to throw in a three-star Goodreads review here at the end, and he says, this novel seems fine, but I cannot persuade myself that it is true. If it is invented, the author invented badly, because no one can imagine any husband foolish enough to conduct the costly experiment that Anselmo did. If this occurred between a lover and his lady, it might be plausible, but between a husband and his wife, it seems impossible. As for the manner in which it was told, I did not find it displeasing. Three-star. My God. God, the cinema sins version of this book review <laughs> and it, you know that that comes in the context of like he's been arguing with don quixote about chivalric romances they were they had the whole thing last episode about everybody in the inn has a different reason for liking these stories and the innkeepers like i think some of them are real and the priest loses his mind so great way to button it is to just you know I liked how it was written, but I hated everything else about it. <laughs> We've ever said that on a yeah. podcast before. So maybe the priest just needs a book podcast. I can say that I respect a book while I don't actually like anything about it. That's That's been the case. Yeah, sure. Um, so then, then beautiful people come in? So more, yeah, more beautiful people. Remembering... Oh, yes, yes, yes. This is when... Yeah, this is when beautiful people come in, and then the whole thing that we predicted would happen last episode totally comes to pass. Yep, totally. (laughs) And it completely sews up in a bow the incredible tale of Dorotea and... um, and, Cardinho uh, and Lucinda. Cardinho and Don Fernando. Yes. Yes, everybody. And it, you know, it starts with these beautiful people coming in, one of them's dressed like a nun and looks sad. Looks like a sad nun. That's Lucinda. Don Fernando, I think, is wearing like a hoodie or something. He's like hiding himself a He's little bit. He's going incognito, but yes. like not really. And as soon as those people show up, Cardinho and Dorotea like try to bounce or hide themselves for a little bit. 
And there's like a period of time where we're like, ooh, what's going on? And then as soon as Lucinda starts talking or Cardinio hears her voice, people start wrecking each other, recognizing each other's voices from across the building. Yeah, and it all just kind of falls into place. Yeah, the, the most dramatic thing that happens is Dorotea makes she's really the only one who does anything like she is she's like, the only one who has to persuade anyone and don fernando is the only one who has to be changed yes yeah because cardinho and lucinda, lucinda see each other and are like oh hi we're well, we're married because yeah. this we other marriage didn't stick <laughs> well and everything's great and, and we in love the, each other the previous episode is when cardinho learned the truth about lucinda because he thought that she had betrayed him and so he's right, fine yes. they're good yes. Yeah, Dorotea is the one who has to be like, hey, Don Fernando, remember that time when we got secret married? Remember and then when you we bounced? got married? And do you just want to? Do you want to do it again? Do you like? Do you want to do right by me and maybe she, not be a knob? <laughs> she does like lean into the okay. What does she say? If this is true, uh, you solicited my shame. You pleaded for my integrity. You were not ignorant of my status. You know very well how I surrendered completely to your desire. You have no justification or reason to claim you were deceived. If this is true, and it is, and if you are as much a Christian as you are a gentleman, then why do you go to so much trouble to avoid making me as contented at the end as you did at the beginning? That sounds like something else. And if you do not love me for what I am, your true and legitimate wife, then at least want me and take me as your slave. If I am possessed by you, I shall think of myself as happy and fortunate. And she kind of goes on there like, do not abandon me to rumors and being like a quote-unquote fallen woman like honor this thing even if you hate me i will be happy to to just be in this contract with you and the things the things that she says so so affect don fernando and his noble blood because he goes through the quickest face turn that i think i've ever seen (laughs) where because he does have noble blood he's like oh yeah i guess i'll be a good guy then he's just one of he just kind of joins the party tacitly yeah, he's After like on this, board because he's part of this like cloud of dudes who are just sitting around listening to other dudes tell stories as they drift into this <laughs> stupid inn. <laughs> yeah. And he like offers to like help pay for the wineskins or something at some point and then when the next dude comes in, he offers to help them as well. So Don Fernando's just like on board. Um, I guess even though he like engineered all these people's misery, he's, you know, He's fine. Pobody's nerfix. Oh my god! You know who's not? You know, you know, Pobody's nerfix is Cervantes. There's a great footnote uh, in this chapter where Cardinio is apparently like gone to Lucinda's side, but he's trying to stand behind Don Fernando so as not to be seen. And there's a footnote that just says another apparent oversight. It was indicated early in earlier in the chapter that the two men had already seen each other. <laughs> Yeah. messed up for Cervantes. Yeah. There's another, I don't remember if it was in this one or the last batch that we read where Don Quixote talks about how his sword was yep. taken by the same person who took <laughs> Sancho's like, donkey and and Grossman's just like, yeah, like, no, this is the first time we've heard of this. It's not a big deal. Yeah. The, the IMDB vibes in these chapters is, is pretty strong. Um, right. So then the, the next little, we get a little Don Quixote scene before the next like non Don Quixote story. It's like a Don Quixote Sancho fight, right? It's like it's kind of a fight, but it's it's mostly Don Quixote holding court mm. in the 
we have to get oh well we have to get the the um Sancho's like hey Don Quixote none of these people are who they say they are the giant thing was fake it's all fake and he's like no 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 probably magic let me go out and see and they've all agreed to keep the ruse going because okay, they're all so yeah, happy. This is, that's another thing I was going to elide over because it's happened so many times and they're both such idiots that I was just going to jump to the next like major junction. Sure. Of the story. Yeah, I think it's interesting that everyone that they meet is like, all right, I guess we will continue to gaslight this man for his own safety. Mm-hmm. Literally everyone is on board with this plan. Yeah, that's that's yes, you're right about that. Um, but then yes, let's get to the holding court part because this part I was like, what book is this now? What is yeah, what is happening? Because it was so it was mentioned in the last batch of chapters that we read by by one of Quixote's former friends from home, the probably the priest, because he's who we hear most of this stuff from, but it could have yes. been one of the others, is that you know, while Don Quixote has gone mad because he's read all these chivalry books and they have totally addled his pate. He is in every like in every way that you can think of that's not related to chivalry. He is a well-read and reasonable man by all accounts. And so this chapter mostly um, is this long sort of treatise on like whether it's better to pick up arms or, or pick up letters, basically, whether it's better to be like a soldier or a, a learned person. Correct. Um, it's, it's weird, man. It's very like anti war and anti fighting in a way. At least that's how I'd sort of it closes it. that way. Yeah, for sure. It closes in a way that's like very, I read it's like very anti drone warfare. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, well i don't know that there were specific <laughs> i'll get i'll make my point in a second okay but he, he, is, right. he is saying he's like what is better or on the flip side which is harder being the drone of the 16th century would be like the gun if you could give a horse a gun sort of and tell, yeah. and tell the horse to go what is that but a, a war zone and, <laughs> sure. and kill guys um, well, without having to expend any human life. Yes, he he goes on a bit of a, a rant about not having to actually engage in like real combat and that like yeah that yeah that's a, that's another thing is like how how technology has taken the honor out of fighting anyway. Yes, because he th- um, and that's at the end because he's like, listen, it sucks to be a student. You have to be poor. Yes, it's always been hard to be a student and never have money. But like all you know. You can still get jobs and you can get academic titles and soldiers, they fight and all the rewards they get are like dead and their lords get the money instead. Yeah, like it's pretty it's pretty down on soldiering just as an economic pursuit. <laughs> but he's- Because I mean, it, it, the, the context of this is happening and like he talks about, you know, it's hard to become learned with a little, you know, accent mark over the E. It's, but once you are learned, we're in a period of history where there just aren't that many people who are knowledgeable about anything. And so anybody who has any kind of like depth of expertise in any field, like there's not that much competition for these things. And so you can usually 
reap the fruits of your labor in some way. Yes. And his and his starting argument, I guess, isn't even that it's like, which is quote unquote better or cooler, right? It's like, which is superior? And his a lot of his argument rests on like, it's actually harder to be a soldier. And that makes it superior because you have to like be better at it to succeed in life. And he goes on to also say that like, yes, the men of letters make the laws that make government, but you can't enforce those laws without muscle. <laughs> you need arms to make a government happen. Yeah, like he, he says all this stuff, but I feel like the undertone throughout is is really centered on how raw a deal it is for the people who are taking up the arms. Yeah, he makes that point. Yes, for sure. But I, I, he is... And he's and then he centers on like, oh, it is I have decided to do this at a time when it is terrible to do this, which is the like thing where he's talking about there are machines. Happy were those blessed times that lacked the horrifying fury of the diabolical instruments of artillery whose inventor, in my opinion, is in hell. Receiving the like reward part, for yeah. his accursed invention, which allows an ignoble and cowardly hand to take the life of a valiant knight, so that not knowing how it comes or from where, a stray shot is fired into the courage and spirit that inflame and animate a brave heart. So, yeah, he is he is really against Call of Duty modern warfare. <laughs> well, and to the extent that he romanticizes war at all, he talks about like what a what an impressive achievement it is when like you're trying to board somebody's ship and like guys just keep running and they keep getting killed, but there's still more guys to replace them and they just keep they just keep going for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, it's people working together without It's a necessarily listening to their self-preservation instinct yeah it's a really interesting kind of back and forth like nuanced thing and to what you said a few minutes ago it's like back and forth in himself mostly like there are no one else is talking word in edgewise but yeah mostly this is just like a don quixote monologue and it's it's impressive that it is holding so many interesting ideas and speaking both forward and backward in time thematically and everyone is just like whoa this is the same guy who cut up a bunch of wineskins because he was asleep and thought it was a giant not even that it's just like oh it's so sad that this yes. is the same guy <laughs> yeah yeah it's yeah they're like it is that does i think wind up motivating everyone in this ragtag group to want to help him not mm-hmm. sancho because sancho's too selfish and has his own thing going on yeah, when uh, when the whole Dorotea, Lucinda, Cardinho, Don Fernando thing goes on and it becomes clear that Dorotea is not the princess of Comic-Con like she said she was, <laughs> like Sancho's only thought is, well, no, no peninsula for Sancho. Yeah, 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 yeah. He can't, he can't even, he won't even get to be racist to people he wants to sell later. Like his, yeah. he's very upset about it. Poor Sancho. Um, and then... Someone else had come into the story before this happened, and then it becomes their story moving forward. So a a guy and a lady dressed in Moorish clothes, they say, mm-hmm. come into the inn because the parade of people coming into the inn. Um, we very briefly like hear her name, and he is saying that she's like she wants to be a Christian. 
the next just the next few chapters is just a lot of feelings about people who are not Christian. Yeah, and and Moore's or specifically moves, as, as you might know, yes, from the hit show Seinfeld <laughs> is specifically how Christian folk of this era would refer to Muslims in a yes. lot of contexts. Yes. Um, um, this story is a long one. I found it's a long one, and it's, it's and yet it's not. <laughs> It's it's long in form, but not long in like the stuff that happens. It is it, there's a lot of Cervantes talking about actual people and events, and then a couple of times this guy named Cervantes is brought up, just like the real Cervantes talking talking about the stuff. Well, that this he did. is based on stuff that happened to Cervantes. Like he was a prisoner of war for several years, and yeah. so he's it's not. You know, he's not taking over the rest of the book. No, I'm just like, it's another cutesy, it's another cutesy thing where Cervantes exists as a character within this book that Cervantes is writing about a book that somebody in fiction wrote that somebody (laughs) in fiction translated. Yes, it's true. And I, I, what you mentioned this last episode, like I think the second part of Don Quixote responds to the fact that Cervantes put these other stories in here and people were like what are you doing Cervantes I want more I of that night see guy. why like you you were reading this for the windmill fights and then you get into the stuff and it's like well who are these people what what is what is why happening did, here why am I reading this big thing about the military industrial complex like what is where'd my funny windmill book go where'd, where'd my funny windmill poop book go where'd my poop book go nobody's pooped in chapters and chapters every few every few chapters though every sancho, few chapters. sancho is like they flipped me in a blanket like he just he's just like the blanket though the the better i get to know sancho the more i believe that he deserved he definitely it. deserved it uh so hit me with the setup to this story andrew what this guy's story. He's here in the Ooh, end so we with got his this woman guy and this other beautiful Christian. woman. And if Dorotea and Lucinda weren't both of this, in this room, people would have a hard time believing that such a beautiful woman as this woman could even exist. That's so true. A That's lot true. of beautiful women filtering into the only inn in the tri-country area. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, it's this guy, and he, he is one of three brothers, and their dad who liked to give his money away. He he was, I think he was a soldier and he talks about how soldiering makes you very uh, free with your stuff. Like you, yeah. you are happy to give stuff away and try to make other people happy because of the bad stuff that you've seen. Yeah. So this dad takes his three sons and he says, okay, I got this. I got this idea. I'm going to split all the stuff I have up into four parts and we're each going to get one. And the condition of of this, that of you getting all this money like before I die or anything, is one of you has to go into uh into the church, one of you has to go get your business degree. <laughs> yes. And one of you has to go fight in the army. He starts it like you should go serve the king, and then he makes a point that like being in the army is better than trying to serve the king at court. And then he moves on. But it, there's like a very little distinction there where he's like, don't deal with court nonsense. Just go it, go fight. You'll earn more honor fighting. 
So, uh, and, and the brother we're talking to is the oldest of the three and who ends up going into the army. Yes. It, and so a lot of stuff happens as this guy, Forrest Gump's his way through a lot of actual real <laughs> conflicts. Correct. Including some that Cervantes was involved in. And it, I don't remember, do you remember the exact segment of how we like move from this like sort of almost laundry list of like things and locations to uh getting to know the that guy's daughter who wants to run away and she's giving him all the money and stuff like what's the exact segue for that or is it is it important i don't know i don't that know it that it's important. super important he talks he spends a whole chapter talking about the various boats that he was on both in the army and then as a prisoner of this turkish like general or something there was a whole fort that they were in. The fort got right. Like the, he's taking times. He takes time throughout the story to like really just slag on Turkish people a lot. If, I don't, I don't know how to process all of that, but um, he says at one point that like um, this guy became like a, a big to do in the army. And that's who he's being captured by. And he's being held in what is called a Bagnio, where they hold, or Banyo, where they hold the Christian captives. Banyo is something else. Yeah, you're right. It is something else. Good point. Um, and he's being held there. And so he's in this prison. It basically, like, I don't know, they go to Constantinople, they go to a couple different places. And he winds up in this prison on the south side of the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. And he is there with a few other Christian prisoners. And they see they're they're in they can see the the house of a wealthy and important Moor, and there's like a reed or something that's like poking out. From Somebody somewhere. starts dangling a reed out of a window, and sometimes there's money attached to it, but the none of the other prisoners except for him are allowed to have the money. Like yeah, like they all go up to investigate, and the stick gets pulled up every time, except for when. This guy walks up. Yes. And then he takes the money. It happens again. And it's a letter. And the woman is like, hey, I think you're hot. <laughs> I would. I like you. Do you like me? Check one. Yes. Um, also, I uh, there was a woman that my father owned who taught me about Christianity and I would like to to do that. I would like to convert and get married. And you seem like a hot one to do that with. Can we do mm-hmm. that, please? Yeah. He enlists the help of some other guy, some other renegade well, it's, it's, more. So some of the other, some of the other uh, Christians who are in prison with him, and then a renegade more, I think, who, who does some translating for him. And well, who who wants to who wants to convert. And so, yeah, do, does translating from Arabic to Spanish for them. And that's how they can com- communicate with this woman in the first place. And it goes back and forth for a little while before she has yeah, given she him enough like, money. She keeps giving him more money and trying to, like, con- I, I think, convince him that she's worth the hassle because yes. she can, you know, buy his freedom and then kind of provide for them for the rest of forever. And there's a plan where, like, She's also used she's also given them money so that the renegade Moor can go buy a boat 
And he does buy the boat, but he doesn't come back and use it right away. He, like, makes a few trips to, like, make the boat seem legitimate first, which is smart. Good plan. And then uh, they buy the freedom of a few other of the Christian prisoners. And she's going to go with him on the boat to, I yeah, presume, she's going with Spain, him. She's going to take right? a lot of her riches. Yeah. And so uh, they all show up to get her and the riches in the middle of the night. And the dad wakes up. He's Don't wake daddy. <laughs> You're they not supposed daddy. to wake daddy. They woke daddy. And then they have to kidnap daddy. Well, they wanted to kill him, and she's like, don't kill him. Can we kidnap him instead? Don't kill him. He's my daddy. And they're like, that's fine. He's your daddy. We will take him with us. And there's a big emotional scene on the boat where uh, I think their plan is they're going to leave him on shore somewhere. And yeah, it's like somewhere where he can easily get back. Because they don't want to just leave him in the town that they're trying to get away from because that does not give them enough of a head start, basically. No, no. Um, They're trying to be charitable, I guess, about whatever this plan is. And there's a big emotional scene between the father and the daughter where he is like, do you really mean this? You're really going to go off and do this to hurt me? And she's like, yeah, I really want to do this. That lady that you owned taught me about this and i don't want to live in your house anymore and i'm gonna marry this guy on this boat i guess and he just jumps in the ocean yeah he's very sad he jumps in the ocean but he is saved thankfully he was wearing his turkish robes and they kept him afloat for a few seconds so everyone on the boat pulled him out of the water in time and he was so sad about it but they left him on they left him in a cave somewhere Mm -hmm. a cave named like you know, angry Christian woman or something, some weird. <laughs> I don't remember what it was yeah, called. like as far as far as I know, we won't see this guy again. As no, far as gone. I know, I know that's not always a. Uh, hey, there's only one in, in book. you know. Yeah. Um, and so speaking of their only, well, no, we're not quite to the next plot it, point. This where part, only I was like, come on, let's just get to the inn. They go, they get robbed by French pirates. They don't have anything. They finally get to Spanish shore, but they're still only wearing their like Turkish prisoner clothes. And so they, they get mistaken for Moors Muslims in a Christian and, land. Yeah. Yeah. And like the shepherd runs off. And then the guy who comes to meet them, who the shepherd is told, ends up being like the cousin of the of one of the guys who escaped. Yes. And so there's a very like buddy buddy sort of well, it it's like <laughs> That is taken as proof that well, everything else that these people are saying is true. That yeah, they are that's Christians true. or converted Christians. They escape from this very high security prison <laughs> complex. It's, it's just like face off. Yeah, of course. They made it out the rock. Um, and so then he and her ride off, run away, and they make it to the inn. And that's where they're telling their they- story. And here they are. That's their story. Except, no, there's more story. Because who else? So what we find is that there's this dad and there are his three sons and they were brothers and they all loved each other and they all went their separate ways. And none of them have talked to any of the others as far as the army brother knows in like two or three decades. Yeah. And so we get to the end of this guy's sad tale. And who else should saunter up to this hotel (laughs) which i'm not it's like it's like the house it's a house of leaves like the interior dimensions do not make sense because people keep fitting into this stupid hotel well people keep complaining that there aren't any rooms left and the people keep being like yeah but you can stay in my room just come on in and everyone's like that sounds great yeah just double triple up 
doesn't affect the room rate. To hell, yeah, that, but the hotels always like want to know how many people are going to be in the room. I feel like I've always lied whenever I've been on a trip with a lot of people. It's like this is room for there are going to be four people. In this yeah, room, and you think it's? Gonna I don't be know two. if that's like a. What's building about? capacity, like fire code thing, oh. or what it is. But the, yeah, many is the time I've told a white lie. Like plus one or two people. That's probably what it is, and that's probably bad. I probably shouldn't do that white lie. But it's just a white lie. Don't hurt most body. Yeah, it doesn't hurt most anybody. <laughs> okay, so who comes into it's the a, inn? It's my one of my favorite Simpsons <laughs> quotes. Okay. And this, I won't do this. I don't like to do this very often, but Nelson says something is a victimless crime, like punching someone in the dark. (laughs) Which I think is an ideal version of victimless crime where there is a victim, but you can't see them. And so it doesn't count. (laughs) Nelson? I think Nelson might be, I might be underrating Nelson as a. I think you'd probably do underrate Nelson. Okay. Um, anyway, who comes into the inn, Andrew? It's oh, one, of the, one of the brothers. It's church brother. It's church brother. Church letters brother. He's a judge now. He has a daughter. No, wait, no, it is. Well, wait. Or is it merchant brother? Merchant brother's not here. But this is church brother. But I guess I think you're right that he might be a judge because he's very. He seems very fair-minded. But no, merchant brother is absent and we know he's absent because the brother who shows up talks about how he's made so much money and he sent it all he supported him in his studies and he sends it all back to his dad yes, and none yes. of them have none of them have heard from their army their brother army brother in all right. this time it does seem weird the army brother wouldn't have said anything to their dad about his many trials and tribulations but they're all you know they're all holding out hope that army brother's going to be here and we hear about this because once the the captive, the captive captain, sees this judge. He's like, I think that's my brother. I think that's my brother, but I'm not sure how he'll respond to me being like a destitute, escaped slave. Dressed in Turkish clothes with my convert wife that's not so, my so wife So can yet. one of you just kind of float my story and my circumstances <laughs> so pretty, to him? I kind of like this And gag. see how he reacts. And it, that will dictate whether I reveal myself to him or not. And the priest goes up and kind of yada yadas the guy's story to him. This priest is game for whatever. <laughs> he's really into a lot of different things. I don't know when he's supposed to go to church and preach or not, but he's he's just roaming the countryside getting into know, capers. I don't know how many churches you've been involved with. Sometimes Sometimes these priests and preachers are uh, busy bodies. <laughs> oh, that's fair. That's fair. Sometimes, the, sometimes they got busy bodies. That's a good point. Um, you gotta be involved in the community, I guess. Uh, he goes up to the guy. And is like, hey, this is the story I heard. I was a prisoner too. He basically tells like, what if Cervantes was there also and knew this guy? He tells that story. And the guy's like, oh, my God, you're right. That's my brother. We're so sad. And he tells all the stuff you said about how the whole family, if only they'd heard. If only he'd called Andrew. If only he'd called his dad only one day. Called. If only you'd called your father. Then maybe they would have faxed him some money and he would have uh, gotten out of prison. <laughs> I meant to say wired. I said fax. <laughs> Even if fax machines had existed. <laughs> Whatever. You know what I meant? It's not legal tender. Um, and... Uh, and they they are reunited, and it feels so good. 
and everyone's happy. We get, I was surprised we got to the close of this story in this chapter, um, the way I mean, things were going. We've got a whole nother brother and a dad. I don't think we're at the end of this story. That's possible. Yet. Um, and the, the, the quote unquote cliffhanger that we're left with, everyone's happy in the inn, and we hear some beautiful music from outside singing. Somebody's singing very beautifully. And someone's and that like, is, that's the end. I think that's the mule boy. But no, it. I think this this other brother and maybe their dad and like every <laughs> every person that any of them has ever known is going to ride up to this inn at some point in the next 12 to 36 hours. And we're but, just going to have to hear their stories I get, and find them forever. But I do like well, you said last time that you appreciated that this world was starting to feel like peopled with. Like characters that have relationships, and I think that's I do, yeah, I do, I do like that. Yeah. I, I it is I silly like that, that everybody's in this inn, of course. I, I like that. I like that the monotony is broken up a little bit. I guess this kind like even toward the end of Don Quixote and Sancho's like abortive sort of wanderings, where they don't apparently actually make it that far from home. Yeah. Like it is, it's nice to see the book be like, okay, instead of like having to come up with some new weird location, let's just like hang out with people for a while and we'll all swap stories and that'll make it easier to write probably. Yes. Yes. And we can like introduce some characters and then 10 chapters later, we'll introduce the people that they were talking about and it'll be meaningful, which feels like a book. (laughs) It doesn't, you know, it does feel like a book. I mean, it does. And I'm going to be like the priest a little bit like the the way that this is written i don't i don't find displeasurable but mm. the way that they all keep riding up to this inn like you said beetlejuice three times and they just like sprung <laughs> out of the earth is a little implausible it is a little implausible that's okay it's not meant to be real or is it or is it or is all it? these sh- chivalry books are real 100 percent real as we've discussed. As we Don have Quixote discussed before, in the yeah. novel Don Quixote, which is definitely real based on a true story based on the novel Pushed by Sapphire. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Andrew, thanks for talking about this book with me. This was the fifth episode of Jack Little Mill. In episode six... Oh, no, this was the, this was the sixth episode. <laughs> oh, dang. I just pulled up the schedule. It's You're right. June's. I guess we must have started in January because this is June's and it's number six. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, it's episode well, six. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, people on Patreon will understand and people not on Patreon, you can cut out that part where you said the episode number wrong. That's true. I will do that. Yeah. Patreon folks, you're going to hear all of this anyway. Um, that's so, what I'm for. That's, that's true. Uh, if you have thoughts on Don Quixote, send us an email overduepod at gmail.com, Twitter, and Facebook.com slash overdue pod. On the next episode, we'll be covering chapters 42 through 52, which, if my pages are correct, means we're going to close out part one, the big first half of Don Quixote. We're coming up to Don Quixote halftime. We'll find out what our players are going to do in the second half. Andrew, this is the outro for everyone. What do folks need to know about their show, our show if they want to learn more? Uh, they need to know that they can go to overduepodcast.com, which is our website, 
We've got links to Apple and Google, and we are on Spotify, and we are on Stitcher, and we are anywhere you can get fine podcasts. Yeah. If you do want to be part of the privileged few who hear the, this episode early ahead of everybody else, patreon.com slash pod. That's a way to uh, kick us a little bit of money, help us pay for our expenses for new equipment. We have upgraded Craig's computer. Yeah. It's going Probably to really upgrade good. some stuff at Probably. your place, too. If you need it. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is when we need stuff, we can get it. Yeah. Because we have, we're, uh, we're supported by our generous listeners. That's true. Uh, and then also on the website, we have the schedule for the month. We have the books that we have read and are going to read that you can click, which will take you to bookshop.org, which will let you buy the books that we're reading from your local independent bookseller and get us a little cut of that, cut of that scratch too. Yeah, some of those escudos coming our way. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's, that's it, it, right? Thanks, everybody, for listening, Andrew. Thanks for doing this podcast with me. Mm-hmm, you know what we say at the end of every episode of Jagged Little Mill? <sighs> Cuckolding. That's the ticket. <laughs> they were the two friends. Too many cucks. Spoil the marriage. (laughs) That's it. Okay, bye. Through the woodland, through the valley, comes a horseman wild and free. Tilting at the windmills passing, who can the brave young horseman be? He is wild, but he is mellow. He is strong, but he is weak. He is cruel, but he is gentle. He is wise, but he is meek. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Jagged Little Mill. It's a podcast brought to you by Overdue, a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. Welcome to Don Quixote Nights. I don't know why I'm bringing this energy. K-Jazz, our book podcast. WWJLM, Jagged Little Mill.